unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. That never gets old. Honestly, that never gets old. And please welcome Christopher Roush. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Tuesday night and it's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so you know what time it is. It is time for the Raw and Scripted Hour with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Ooh, Chris is in a good mood today. Chris has been impacting people all day long, fired up, got shit accomplished. Oh my God. Talk about being accomplished. I got two faucets put in. I got the little valves underneath the, the thing switched out and got the right ones and got it all connected. And then it kind of leaked and then it didn't leak. And then mysteriously, I got the other one in and now I have two beautiful faucets and, and I replaced the shower nozzle and I replaced the sprinkler siphon. And guess what? I don't like doing any of that shit anymore. But I feel accomplished because that's what kick ass is all about. That's what being unstoppable is all about is getting out there and get your fingers dirty, you know, doing things with your hands, you know, feeling a sense of accomplishment. That's what this is all about. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fasten your seatbelts because tonight we're going to be talking about uh, one of my favorite, favorite subjects in the world to talk about something that I exited from about a year and six months ago, actually, probably by now, which was my corporate job. And in that corporate job, um, there was a space that I held, which was called in a category of leadership. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about leadership today, but uh, we got some exciting stuff going on in the world. So just as a reminder, uh, as you guys are going through here, hello, Ray, good evening, good evening. Uh, whether you're watching this live or on the replay, please, as always, engage with us with your comments and your questions. Uh, if we don't catch you on the replay, we will catch you in the comments and be able to answer your questions and be able to provide uh, any information that you might need uh, to answer those questions. So uh, we appreciate you guys being here. As always, you guys are our misfit nation or misfits for life of the kick-ass nation. I got to be careful. My buddy, Jason Cisneros, who I met recently on Clubhouse, he has the misfit nation. So I have the misfits for life of the kick-ass nation. He has the misfit nation. So we're, we're just going to combine them and just have world domination of kick-ass people. So that's what it's all about. Um, so without any other hesitation, I'm going to bring on our guest tonight. We've uh, recently just been connected through the power of said clubhouse. I was on there pontificating or saying something and uh, actually something smart, I guess, came out of my mouth. And my guest tonight reached out and says, hey, we got to collaborate. We got to talk about um, how our styles are very unique because you're this kick-ass person and I'm this badass person and you're a male in this situation. I'm a female in this situation. So we have this all this different dynamics that we could bring and all this excitement to the conversation about leadership. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, please welcome to the Ron and Scripture Show, Michelle Rains. Michelle, how are you doing this evening, darling? Hoorah, what an introduction. I'm doing awesome. Great to be here, Chris. And finally to get kick-ass and badass hooked up. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, just imagine that. I got to be careful about this. Just imagine that, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it would be a great leadership delivery. It would be a great leadership engagement. It would be so much fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. It's, I mean, we need more, we need more badass leaders out there. And I just, I love your branding. I love, you know, just, it's it just, it's so, it just so fits. And, and we just had a brief, uh, short conversation not too long ago and just getting to know one another. And the craziest part of it about it is that you're only probably what, yeah. uh, like 17 miles that way. Yeah, in, in Georgia we call that spitting distance. <laughs> spitting distance. Spit you guys in Georgia, you guys in Georgia can spit a lot. 
<laughs> apparently. I know I'm not a very good spitter, nor nor am I trying to develop that competency anytime soon. <laughs> You're not? No, you don't go out in the backyard? Say, no, no, I, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, me neither. No, not at all. Um, so I want to just get, I want to get right into this and just say thank you so much for spending your time with me tonight. Um, the topic of leadership, especially with what's going on in the world today is, is so keen in my observation. I read a lot of articles about this because having been in that leadership space, as we talked about before, for so long in the corporate space, and we know what kind of situations were happening pre-COVID, uh, I'd be really interested to, just to dive off the deep end and get your perspective on what leaders are going to have to assimilate today in order to be more effective as people are returning to work in a post COVID situation or an ongoing COVID situation where you might have some people who are full-on germaphobes and you may have some people who just don't give a fuck. How, talk yeah. to us about that leadership style and what some people might need to take away from this conversation regarding that. Well, if I could sum it up in one word, I would say agile. You have to be agile. So you need to be flexible. You need to listen really well. You know, Fortunately, we've been gen genetically perfectly designed with two ears and one mouth. Unfortunately, we tend to overuse the mouth and not enough ears. So I would say lean in and listen and spend time really understanding your people and try and, you know, meet them where they are, if you will. And um, and again, I would really invite, I don't know, if I roll back the clock to, I want to say March or April, my, I'm sure my months are off, but I did a very quick uh, I called it a anticipation video, you know, like Wimpy used to be. A, I'll, I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? Yeah, right. Kind of anticipating what was to come post COVID, and this was, you know, a predictor early on that the initial onslaught of COVID would have everybody kind of paralyzed and and feeling rather uncomfortable trying to figure out how do I do, you know, the qualitative and quantitative workload in a remote setting and be productive in spite of all, with all the distractions and everything else that's going on. And then I anticipated that very shortly thereafter, you know, give it 90 days, you know, I didn't know how long this thing would be going on, but there would also be that tipping point where suddenly it's like, I'll do anything to continue to work remotely. They've re-engaged with the outdoors because gyms were closed. They've re-engaged with their families. They have, um, you know, they're cooking now and they're taking at-home lessons. And there's just this sense of community. And even though there's social distancing, there's this sense of place now and kind of growing some new roots. So I think as we start to see people return to work, I really am excited about so many of the organizations that I've worked with that are going to remain very flexible and open to kind of allowing the employees the, the metrics to change. We're going to measure success on a qualitative and quantitative basis, not so much on an attendance basis, you physically in the office from X time to you know why and so i think that's really exciting and i think it opens up a lot of different possibilities uh and i know that i'm not the first one to say this but i love the idea that you know you can hire somebody in you know say chicago and they're going to work remotely and you're based in california so now my you know my uh, pool of candidates just became endless and that's really exciting for companies because we can really tap into talent anywhere and then the qualitative aspect of life the quality of the journey, which is so important, you know, the dash, the good old dash. Um, you know, we're when when you talk about particularly the up and coming, um, the the, uh, the current 
generation that's getting into the workforce and those that are already um, young and in the workforce, you know, they're looking for purpose. And so how, what a great thing to allow them to be remote workers. They'll work a lot harder. We have, it's going to stretch us, you know, I'm a baby boomer. So it's going to, it's definitely stretching the boomers to think outside the box and get creative. And how do we manage our FTE our full-time equivalent on a 40 hour work week? Maybe we split that up between two or three people. And so it's about thinking outside the box, getting out of our way and being open to a different possibility to support workers in returning and returning at peak state and then helping them maintain that. <clears throat> such a great, such a great answer. Thank you so much for that. There was a couple of different places to dive off of that. One of the things I want to talk about is that generational difference in the workplace. That was something I used to actually speak a lot on. So we'll table that for a second. But in the other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking, Michelle, was the fact that not only do we have we have the COVID situation of, of going back, we have the political unrest, you know, we have all those different things happening and people are going to be going back to the to the workplace with their proverbial mask going, oh, hey, what's up, Glenda? I know you're a Trump supporter. Oh, what's up, Joe? I know you're a Biden supporter. Okay, how do I navigate this? And oh, what does my boss think? And the whole thing with what's going on in comedy and everything in the cancel culture of, of saying something. And I know for me personally, I'm so thankful I'm not in that environment anymore because I would say things to be funny. I would say things because I was friends with somebody and especially this day and age, I would be scared of like what I'm going to say because it might be taken the wrong way. Talk to us about that aspect of what people are going to be dealing with as they return back into the physical sense. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, um, I call it the tippy toe culture and artificial harmony. And that's, you know, and that's kind of where we're at. And it's because they're, um, this cancel culture thing is scary and it's serious and not and, and in many cases it's it's not unwarranted for some people, but not for all. We're not one size fits all. And just because, you know, someone who looks like me did something doesn't mean that I'm cut from that cloth. And so I think that, you know, we have to navigate carefully and respectfully and try and support people. But I think it's natural to have that organic apprehension and wanting to, and even still, I mean, in this day, you know, you don't know when you're going to be recorded. You could be in a restaurant um, or, or a bar or walking down the street or in, in a mall uh, or not in a mall, but in a retail center somewhere. And just anything you could say in a soundbite could be taken out of context. So we have to always be um, self-aware and remain ever present in managing uh, our messaging because it does and it can create collateral damage and ultimately it's it's our messaging. And so the, the scary part is when someone just takes a soundbite and doesn't get the full story and then they, you know, put it on social media. So it's something that, you know, I, I think that tippy toe culture and that um, ad added anxiety is going to be a manage for leaders coming back into the workplace and a manage for HR. And um, and I, you know, I think it's important that we get as educated as we can about how to support our teams and also how to how we need to show up as leaders. <clears throat> I love that. I love that. And actually, you would vibe really well with my coach, Sally Anderson. She's really big into that. Actually, she's right now coaching CEOs and high-level executives and politicians because of this very thing we're talking about and how much um, stress and uncertainty and the own the own Fear. our own evolution as leaders in what we've personally gone through in the last year. I know I would be a much different leader. I was already a compassionate leader already. I can imagine myself being okay. Um, you know, you don't want to touch your desk unless the cleaning people will wash it twice. Okay, you know, and trying to to mitigate all that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge, I think. But what is your what is your take on leaders really investing in themselves to get coaching and to get get additional 
uh, tools under their belt to be able to handle this return successfully uh, and not actually burn out and fail. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm obviously, I mean, you and I are both in this space, so I'm an advocate. I walked away from a very comfortable salary at the peak of my game to do something I would do for free if I, you know, ever can afford to, because it's just, um, it means everything to me. It's my why, right. Is to make a positive impact for others. But when it comes down to investing in your development and getting coaching and support, I think about, gosh, I mean, baseball players have it, football players have it, basketball players have it. I mean, if we invest in, in sports coaches, why wouldn't you invest in your own development? To me, that is the absolute, I call it hashtag rocket fuel or race VP racing fuel, for, but for people. And it's critically important because your results or the, the results of your team is all about your mirror, right? So the better we are as leaders, the better we'll be able, um, the, we'll be equipped to support our people in getting that team on the podium or having them, you know, have their breakthrough as a team or becoming more cohesive and um, having each other's backs. I call it musketeering as a team. You know, we are responsible for cultivating that type of culture. At the end of the day, that's our report card. So of course you should invest in yourself. I can't think of a single better investment that you should spend money on than your own um, emotional intelligence, um, your own uh, um, coaching development. I mean, it's it's you want to talk about maximizing return on investment. That's where you put your money where you know your mouth is, and the people that you um, support every single day. Mm -hmm. Preach it to the choir, sister. Preach right? to the choir. I was just telling somebody that the other day, like you know, talking about the competitive marketplace of everything. And like, what do you what do you recommend, Chris, to differentiate yourself? And I'm like, having somebody who's already done it teach you how to do it and pay them to do it, and then go do it, and then teach somebody else and pay yourself back. You know, it's just like that whole you know lifting each other up type of thing. But there was something else that you had said in there also. And that I anticipate and I think about my former workplace periodically and how they would handle this. But like, you know, everybody is ex most people I would imagine have experienced downsizing. OK, doing more with less. You know, there's less orders. Now I could see I could see the the psychology of, of senior management going, OK, listen, here's what we're going to do. You know, for the first you know six months, we're not going to bring anybody on. We're going to get all the all the business back and then we'll see how everybody's doing. And then we may bring on a temp or something like that back. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that's going to be the situation? And how can those people who are still like, oh, my God, I'm thankful I have a job. Oh, please. Yes, more. How, do yeah. they, how are they going to handle that? Yeah, I mean, there is, um, you know, I'm a fan of embracing an attitude of gratitude regardless of your circumstances, because you have to live that every day. And so going in with that healthy mindset um, will serve you and others and will definitely propel you forward and give you momentum. As far as um, I think the pause is important. And I think we need, you know, again, it's kind of like letting the dust settle. Let's come back in. It's it's almost as if, you know, if you're going to do a takeover I th or you're hired into a new team. I'll just use this as a as a metaphor or an example. If you're hired into the, a new team and you're doing a takeover of that team or that business, I think the smartest thing for any leader or executive team to do is um, observe, um, support, listen, um, invest in yourselves and make sure that you're, you know, it's almost like a managing risk situation currently is just getting educated to manage risk so that you're well equipped to support your teams proactively instead of playing professional reactive whack-a-mole, which is exhausting, destructive, and expensive. 
<laughs> Say that again. Reactive, Reactive professional whack-a-mole. You know, it's where you're just, I got to put that fire out. I got to put that fire out. You know, it's like crisis management, the way you that it shouldn't be done. And, and I wanted to follow up on a point that you made earlier is that, you know, when it comes to, to coaching and, and developing and in, investing in yourself, uh, I think it's, I think it's, you know, the, I, I'd mentioned earlier, it's the best return on investment that someone can make. And I think it's the greatest compliment an organization can give an employee at any level to say, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to hire you a coach or I'm going to bring in training because intellectual property is, is transportable. <laughs> it stays with you forever and it helps you impact other people's lives. And so that's a, that's a massive multiplier and something that I believe teams, I would really encourage individuals to embrace it with gratitude and be excited about it and be appreciative because a lot of organizations out there, they don't invest in their teams. And so if you're going organization is investing in bringing training. My, my invitation to you is don't go into the training with the mindset of, oh, here we go again, another training, because they're investing in your intellectual property. Now it's up to you to figure out how can you, you know, harvest that in a way that serves you, your teams and your career for the long run. Mm, yes, I love that. I love that. I want to take a moment here just to pause to say hello. What's up, Misfits for Life? We have Ray in the house. Ray, what's going on? Good to see you. Robert Brokers in the house. Ray says, welcome, Michelle. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, okay. I'm trying to uh, Jacqueline's not Jacqueline's in the house. She says, I always like uh quality over quantity. Uh, Monica's in the house. What's up, Monica? Good to see you. Good to see you. She says the quality of the journey. <clears throat> uh, la, 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 la. we got a few highs here. Um, Robert says here, he goes, it certainly has and can lead to one of the ongoing work in progress, avoiding distraction when I need to get a few things done. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Let's see, we got uh, self-depreciating humor. Colleen's in the house. She says, what's up, rock stars? Good to see you, Colleen. Thank you for being oh, here and spending your time with us. Yeah. Uh, Colleen's a fellow rock star. Hey, by the way, Colleen, I don't know if you saw that, but I'm going to do 75 hard again. Um, I can't remember Ooh, if you saw that. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm starting a group June 1st. Well, actually, the group is now open, but I'm already doing that. So by the way, Misfits for Life, if you guys want to do 75 hard with me starting June 1st, here's a plug for that. I'm not charging anything. It's a private closed group, and I'm going to promote, I'm going to be in there every single day just uh, inspiring all of us because I really don't want to do it, but I know I need to do it. And apparently when I opened my mouth and said I was going to do it and I would inspire people, a bunch of people said, okay, I want to do it too. And I went, damn, now I got to do it. Don't you just love that? I but do. One thing I want to talk about, one thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, the thing I was thinking about, if I return to the workplace now, I would, I know I'm much more confident being me than I've ever been. And I would not want to trade or sacrifice that going back to the workplace. But yet I know when I was there, it was so fast, fastly becoming, you know, we don't want your opinion, Chris. We just want your output And here. By the way, we want 20% more of it. Um, so talk to us about that. Talk to us about, should we really start standing up to senior management? Do they want us to stand up to senior management? I've had a few situations where I did and it paid off, but talk to us about this whole protectionist society, because I feel like people are just going to go back and there's, there's going to be eggshells, potato chips, you know, peanut, <laughs> and Legos. It's going to be fucking Legos, like Legos that go through your shoes. Like oh, 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 here it's six feet or if I, I don't know, but just talk to us about uh, at least standing up to senior management and owning your space. I look at it as, you know, in my book, From Bad to Badass Leader, one of my lessons is don't be a kiss ass. And so in my advice, which is don't be a kiss ass, it isn't, you know, don't be an ass. I definitely don't want you to be an ass, but I think there's an art 
to knowing how to communicate up the channel, across the channel, channel to your peers and certainly to your teams. And so it's really finding the right voice and it starts with knowing your audience. I don't care what level they're on. If you're talking to C-suiters or you're talking to peers, or even if you're talking to peers external to your organization, it's our responsibility. The onus is on us to understand and know our audience and knowing how to frame it in a way that it's meaningful for them. So here's an example. If I'm going to pitch an idea or um, have, have an, a third alternative, as Stephen Covey would say in his book, The Eighth Habit, the third alternative might be maybe it's not your way, it's my way, and it's not my way, but there's a third alternative in there. If we put it together and blend it, maybe even get some other people to weigh in on it, we can come up with a better idea. And so knowing how to say it, knowing what the priorities of the um, of your direct supervisors are, and then knowing how to frame it in a way that brings value for them. So I, I love the acronym with them. So what's in it for me? Oh, and yeah. I it like with it, what's in it for them? So if so, you know, why should I listen to you, Chris, pitch your idea to me? What's in it for me? And so if, if we can get smarter at how to communicate so where we're not, we don't have to be a kiss ass, but we do have to be responsible for our communication and, and informed of how to communicate in a way so we can leverage influence. Ooh, leverage influence. <laughs> that sounds uh, it sounds a little painful on some people's toes. I know that I were, used to work for somebody who did not like any influence whatsoever. Um, he had to always command court, and that's one of the reasons why I'm not there anymore. So, yeah, that's that. That is definitely <laughs> that a good challenge. <laughs> that, that was a good exit for you then. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Karma. No, it's all good. Actually, it was perfect. It was perfect timing, but that's a whole other subject. Um, <clears throat> another area I want to get into is I, when I think back and I was thinking about this conversation about leadership, I know the first time that I went into leadership and I told my boss, hey, listen, I really want to become a supervisor. At the time, I was a, I was an inventory planning analyst or something like that. Didn't have any re uh, people responsibility, but I worked with everybody in the team. And I went into my boss's office for my review and I said, I want to be a supervisor. She's like, yeah. Okay, sure, Chris. Sure. Okay. And I said, no, I'm dead serious. I really want to do this. I said, I'm going to school right now. I'm going to college. Um, you know, and she goes, okay, how about I give you a supervisory uh, review and we'll just see what's up. And I said, okay, sure. No problem. So he does, she does my room, my review is instead of uh, a line staff basically. So she wants to do a supervisor review. So she goes out and talks to the team, schedules the interview or yeah, schedules the review. And I go in there, I can still picture and I walk in there thinking like, oh yes, I got this. I'm going to get a promotion. I've already got this money spent. It's all good. The guys dig me. This is going to make sense. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> sat down and uh my boss says well chris um and i'm sitting there just cocky all like yeah 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 what 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 you're gonna tell me all these good things she goes well chris you know you you said you wanted a supervisor responsibility so i went out there and i talked to the team you know in the capacity of how they see you as a leader and how they see you as somebody who collaborates and listens and you know all that good stuff that we need somebody to do and inspires them to do more and I thought, oh, okay, I've got this too. I'm always helping this guy. I'm always helping this guy. I'm always helping this guy. I got this. They probably said, oh my God, Chris helps us so much and it's no big deal. And she goes, Chris, um, unfortunately, she goes, you don't have the trust of the guys. And I was like, what? She goes, I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, they know you help them, but the way you help them makes them feel inferior. And that is not a good sign of a supervisor. So, you know, if you want to get a supervisory role next year, um, then here's what you get to do for the next 12 months. I will put you in situations where you can have more leadership opportunities, maybe having department meetings or, you know, things that, that can elevate you a little bit. Um, but it's going to be incumbent upon you to develop that for yourself and be able to earn their trust and respect so that I can make that supervisory, uh, shift for you. Cause I see it happening for you. And that next year, I really just delved into personal development, human relationships, all those different things. 
talk to us about that situation for you and how you got into leadership and what was maybe some of the situations you had to go through to kind of have a little wake up call. Well, um, you just beautifully described lesson three in the book, which is let's talk about trust, baby. And so trust is critically important for leaders. And I really want to give hats off to your supervisor because having that alignment conversation, getting that background, setting a path forward for your development and also augmented support, rock star. I mean, that's good stuff. So uh, so did, so here's the question. Did you make it? Did you, do, oh. did you get the promo? Oh yeah, I got. I probably got six promotions in eight years after that. Sweet. See, yeah, we all need leaders like that. To me, those are badass leaders. That's what it's about. You know, how do we advance the success of others? And I think there is a quote very similar to that. I think that's a John Maxwell um, quote, and and I love it. I mean, that should be what we do. Um, so to answer your question, you would you mind reframing that? It was about or rephrasing that. So it was about trust. In about um, my story. Oh, here. Right, right, right. So, 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 yeah, basically, I, I got in there. She kicked my ass. I learned my lesson. I became a really great leader. Um, so, talk to us about that shift for you, because so I mean, my, you're, you're, my, you're an expert now. I know you weren't always an expert. So, talk to us about. Hell that no, of, I was not an expert. <laughs> like, what did you think you were all about, and then find out that you weren't about? So I, I was, thought it was all about helping people. I was making them feel inferior. So, what, what was your, what was your like? Woohoo! Okay, I'm not that, and all a bag of chips. Yeah. So it was definitely not even a bag of chips. Um, and it was a train wreck. I call it my hashtag bull ride. Um, my, I would love to say that, you know, here, my success story, I climbed the, you know, corporate ladder and I was just so amazing. I was just a rock star. And so this, you know, this is here to tell you that if I can do it, anybody can do it. So what I did is I was promoted to, um, you know, the, the infamous Peter principle, my level of incompetence. I went from being a rock star salesperson to, wow, you're really putting the numbers on the board. We're going to give you a title of a manager and, and relocate you and give you this team of, you know, 14 to 18 people that you're going to now lead. And um, because you're going to be great. Right. And, and this was a this is a fantastic company. And so I'm not throwing this company under the bus in any way. They they're amazing. But the reality was I, I was a rock star salesperson and um, and I had an incredible work ethic. I was a work, you know, a workaholic and very, very results oriented, um, very good with people as far as um, my customers go. So needless to say, fast forward, I get promoted, I'm relocated. Lesson one in my book is called Don't Be an Ass. And that's this, the really the story of my cataclysmic call, fall from grace, which was when I was promoted um, to Chicago. And within, it was definitely less than a year. It was somewhere around that uh, six month mark. I suffered a walkout and I never saw it coming. And it was no. very colorful. Oh yeah, I was called every name in the book, and I was oblivious. And on and the scary part is, and this isn't um, uncommon. This is actually more common than you'd think. On paper, I looked like a rock star. Um, all of our numbers were great. We were a month over month. We were killing it. And but I would, but at a great cost. There was a lot of human capital damage that was being created because I didn't have a clue how to lead. I didn't know. I I. Um, micromanage people. I, I describe in the book that I hovered over them like a drone. You know, that I, I looked for the needle in the haystack on any little thing that wasn't right. I held back, you know, praising progress or acknowledging um, accomplishments because in my, the way my brain was wired, my very immature um, female brain was wired, was that if I showed them, you know, any form of praise, they were going to take their foot off the gas and they were going to um, take advantage of me, you know, insecure BS. And so at the end of the day, um, I was left, you know, last dog standing and uh, not in a good way. And fortunately for me, the um, company didn't um, shit can 
Miami, uh, although they had every right to be, but they, what they did was really epic. They took responsibility and said, well, wow, we need to give you, um, we need to invest in you. You don't have training, you don't have development. And so we need to help uh, you figure this leadership thing out. We're going to give you a second chance. And the, the ugly truth is at the time, um, my team uh, that walked out on me was unionized in Chicago. You don't want to mess with the And so it was an ugly, long battle and a lot of um, grievances were filed and I had to do a lot of uh, what I say in the book, bridge rebuilding with the unions, because when you burn trust with the unions, they're not going to send you workers and they're, and you can't hire uh, and have someone cross a picket line or, um, you know, you, you just don't do that. So I really, that was an epic wake up call. Um, definitely some nasty, humble pie to choke down. Yeah. It was like worse than a bad tequila. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, ouch. Full yeah. on walkout. I had I had something not even to that that it was bad. but I thought I was like I was it was like Fuck. it was like a little it was like a wagon rally. What do they rally the wagons? One <laughs> one person said something to the HR person, and the HR person asked everybody else, Does Christopher ever do this or make you feel like this? And everybody went, Well, yeah, sometimes. And then it became this whole just blew up. It just went, it just became, you know, does Chris they were on a witch hunt, it was a whole bunch of shit. Anyways, yeah. um, I'm gonna write a book about it. It's called it's something about fishies in, in, in leadership or something like that because I used to work for a scuba diving company. But there shit, you go, love don't it. Tell, don't tell anybody. Okay, um, well, no, thank you, though. Thank you for sharing that because um, you know, we have to go through those 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 situations oh. to to really get a wake-up call. So you said something very important in there, and that's something I had to deal with as well. Trust. What do you oh. recommend for people in establishing and retaining trust with their staff and their superiors, perhaps? Yeah, I think it starts with your mirror. You really have to understand yourself, the good, bad, and the ugly, because you can't go out there and start trying to cultivate trust with someone if you really don't understand what's working and what's not working. And so that is the, you know, lesson two is stop, drop, take a selfie and spend a lot of time on selfie work and not, not from a, uh, Oh, touchy feely kind of stuff. I'm talking about really digging deep and and taking a hard look at yourself and and cultivating uh, or getting feedback from people that you trust that are not going to sugarcoat it for you. Because if uh, bottom line is, if you don't know what's broke, how are you ever going to fix it? And so we start there, right? And then at lesson three is let's talk about trust, baby. So after you really understand yourself, what's working, not working good, bad, and ugly, then it's about, okay, so now who do I get to be in order to start building this framework and foundation of trust with my team? And so, uh, and it takes time and it takes a consistent inv investment. It takes authenticity. It takes vulnerability. You know, in, in Pat Lencioni's um, book, he talks about the five behaviors of a cohesive team. And at the foundation, the framework is, is uh, trust. And so if you think of a foundation of a house, if your foundation is shoddy, it's not a house I want to live in. It's not a team I want to play on. And so trust is vital to success. And I always say, uh, hashtag no trust, hashtag no badass team. Boom. No badass Boom. team. <laughs> no badass team. Look at, we have some beautiful people in here tonight. What's up? Monica says, hey, hey. hey, hey. Um, Monica says, hell yes. Uh, <laughs> she says, authentic authentically you absolutely absolutely yes, very important uh, she says no brown no brown misers nosers, no brown nosers. Yeah, no kiss asses <laughs> scotty goyette's in the house what's up scotty goyette how are you doing he's like love 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 scotty's <laughs> in the house tara's in the house from canada 
where they're still on lockdown. The bad hey, Canadians hey. are on lockdown. Tara, so great to see you. Thank you very much. You should be spending time with your family, darling. So I hope your phone is on mute and I hope you're just doing this out of the goodness of your heart because you just think I'm <laughs> so special. She's amazing. She's amazing. Oh, she says nosers. Scott. <laughs> Monica says leverage influence. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then people say hi to each other because they're just amazing. They were just, we're just a big family. Thomas is now speaking of family, Fritz brother. He says, Great inspirational talk. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks, Thomas. No, you you are a rock star. Angel says, Angel's in the house. She is an angel, by the way. She knows this. She I says, We love this. FedEx. Yes, 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 absolutely. What's oh wait a minute, I gotta catch this. Badass Irish woman to the, to bone. the bone, much <laughs> love and kindness in me. Right on. Yeah, no, I, 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 I attract uh, the most amazing people in my life. Um, it's truly is phenomenal. Uh, like yourself. I mean, boom, we were in clubhouse and then all of a sudden we were connected and we're doing this stuff. Yeah. So well, I want to go back to something you brought up earlier and that's the whole generational difference in the workplace. Cause I know when I was, when I was doing the suit and tie speaking, that was one of my biggest talks was handling the generational differences because we did have about five different generations at that time. Um, and my whole thing was like, okay, let's, let's use the, let's use the, um, the baby boomers with the gen Xers and da da da. And then all of a sudden generation Z came in and I just, I stopped doing that type of speaking. Um, thinking about the kids today because i'm always focused on where the kids are the adults i have i have margin of of belief that, that we're they, they can pull their head out of their ass but we're the kids hopefully <laughs> yeah the, the the teenagers and the kids of today are going to be those leaders tomorrow they're going to be the generation whatever is after even generation z i guess i, I haven't kept up with it um what do you think leadership's going to look like for them given everything that's been going on in their life you know, I'm really, I'm fortunate because I live with, you know, I have a 19 year old stepson. He's my son's son, right? But uh, he's my stepson. I have a 22, 21 year old son and a daughter. And so living in and seeing how they approach work, seeing how they approach life, seeing what, you know, how they're engaging in social media. And, you know, my, my, uh, our daughter is like, you know, hell bent on saving the world one weed at a time. I mean, she's up literally spending 12 weeks of her summer up uh, a couple of, it was a year before last up in Montana doing weed abatement in, in the forest. And she had to take a three day hike on mule and on foot just to get to her camp with no running or well water and no electricity, no cell service for 12 weeks, you know, and that just wants to make a difference. She's literally out killing weeds and learning how to fight forest fires. And she's all of five feet tall and 99, 95 pounds. Right. And so, and now she's yeah, now she's firewash at the grand Canyon and she's there until October. And she, that's what she does. And Ooh. again, no cell service off the grid, but wants to make a difference. You know, we have to look at that. That's this new generation that really purpose matters. We have to get this and stop resisting it. I really think, you know, I'm inspired by the young generation. I'm inspired, you know, we say, always say that's the, uh, you know, everybody gets an award. Well, I think what it, you know, I mean, there are aspects of it that are imperfect, yes, but I look at it as a boomer. Again, I'm on the cusp. I'm right there, born 1964, right? So, you know, I, I get it. And I hear from owners all the time. I work with all different size businesses all throughout the country and also in Toronto, shout out to Canada. And, um, and I hear the, you know, the, the, almost the anger and frustration with, you know, these damn employees that want this, that, and the other, you know, this new generation, they're so frustrated. Look guys, 
we have to find a way to embrace the change and figure out how to leverage it in a way that's good for business, but good for our customers, can allow us to scale our businesses and get smarter. We are better together. And I think that they're actually going to be the generation that enables us to live longer and live better quality lives if we can tap into some of what they're doing. They're enjoying the journey in the journey like my generation you know i have so many classmates and 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 even family members that you know i'm going to work until this you know certain date and then i'm going to you know retire and i'm going to do what i've always wanted to do well guess what you know cancer shows up or a horrific accident shows up and that never gets manifested the thing about you know my kids is that they're enjoying the journey while they're living it you know they're working hard and they're willing to trade off like i'll work really hard you give me agility i'll bust my ass for you but i also want to go kill weeds on the weekend up in you know wherever or i want to go feed families and i want to know that your organization cares about our um, the footprint and, and has purpose and not just lip service you know we have to walk the talk and i think it's you know it's an invitation for us to get out of our own way break the patterns of the past and evolve and i think it's an iterative process and those who embrace it are going to really enjoy and reap the benefits of it and maybe have a better quality of life and uh, a lot more fun and in, in, in the journey and a lot more uh, a lot greater profits and you'll attract you know when we get this right you end up attracting talent because people talk this this community you know is this generation these generations are so socially connected that if you have the right culture you won't have an issue with turnover you won't have an issue you'll have people lining up to say i want to play on your team i want you to i want to wear your brand you know and so you know that is something that we um, have to look at if we don't then we're going to miss out and we're going to continue to buy our bullshit story about how this generation is can't handle feedback and they're you know blah 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 blah. i say forget about that just think about how you can really maximize and connect and how it can benefit you your teams your organizations and your customers and your communities i mean we're all going to feel better when we put our heads on the pillow at night after we've made a difference boom mic yeah. drop mic drop there's a mic drop boom oh, i love Easy. it <laughs> yeah there's my little mic drop that's my tattooed microphone on the inside of my right arm in case you guys are listening to this on the podcast um yes 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 i mean i have there's a podcast that i was on i was introduced to a guy named jv crumb and the, the podcast is the conscious millionaire and i was very i was like millionaire what i don't want to go on some financial bullshit. i don't want to do that and but the conscious millionaire is the person that he talks about millionaires who have a conscious of what they're doing and putting out in the world their organizations have a mission and a purpose of what they're doing out in the world i know for me personally in the organization i was involved in we we started doing more of that and you're absolutely right we gave them so many different community hours and some departments would go down and feed the homeless together and come back and like oh my god dude you know we're sitting here bitching about this that and the other thing and they both got to, they all got to talk about it so I think that's I think it's massively important from not only from from a leadership standpoint, but from from a from a, uh, a company sustainability standpoint. You know, what is your mission? What's your why? What are you about? Who do you attract? I know for a while when I was looking for for positions that I started seeing a lot more of that. Like, here's our company conscious. Here's yeah. where they're at. I mean, obviously, this day and age, like we talked about at the top of the hour, you just that you could be the biggest greatest company in the world, and all of a sudden you come out with some slogan, and all of a sudden they're racist, they're sexist, they're this, they're that. I'm so thankful. I just have, I get to open my big mouth and be unscripted and not have anybody say any shit towards me. But um, one question I have for you just popped in my head. So I'm going to go with it. Who are, who do you think are very influential leaders that, that some of us would know about and why? 
as far as uh, well, you let's know, go, let's, I, go, let's let's make it even better. Current current state. Let's let's go one current and maybe one historical of who you think is a good leader and why. Well, I you know I'm attracted to you know like the Frisellas of the world, and uh, and I'm attracted to a more aggressive message. You know, I have a I'm I was one of the first fifty, definitely one of the first one hundred people certified by Tony Robbins as a strategic interventionist, which is a pretty aggressive style of coaching. But it aligns well with my natural um, tendencies and preferences, with my personality. I'm being very results fast, results oriented. Um, so I like you know I. I know I'll probably get some backlash from this, but I like the innovators like the Elon Musk of the world that think outside the box, take risks. Um, the, if nothing else, if you don't like it, it's still authentic and it's real. I like, uh, um, you know, uh, Ed Milet. I love Gary V. I love Gary V because he's uh, what you see is what you get. I want to know where I'm standing. Um, I like, you know, uh, the real AF, of course, I mean, the 75 hard. Um, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy sugar-free and I think that there's a huge lack of, of sugar-free and it's created and I, and it's a touchy time, right? It, it's even a, a touchy time for um, things like even saying the word kick-ass or badass. I mean, because people are afraid of their own shadows right now with cancel culture. Uh, but I think that people are starving for it. That's why, you know, Gary has millions of followers. People are going where they can go and get get the the raw and the unscripted right they want the real deal yeah and i mean and that's what you know and that's what i have two brands i have my mdr coaching which is my white collar corporate brand for those that uh, you know that are like oh we can't say the word badass that's a no-no you know and then um, i have badass leadership which is the real me and it's also actually how i kicked ass in white collar corporate America by being a badass leader and in, in using these 12 lessons. So, you know, I, I have, you know, I came from, you know, high end luxury, ultra, ultra luxury real estate management in, in skyscrapers in downtown Chicago, and then um, massive developments out here in Southern California and manage very large teams and multiple startups. And so I've done the corporate culture where you, everything is politically correct and artificially harmonious. Um, but I was a badass leader within that culture. So how do we create our own little world um, and kick ass and be a badass um, within a culture that's politically correct, right? Do it respectfully, walk the line, leverage the lessons. Let's be smart, people. I mean, we've got a lot of different resources. We don't have to hide and be artificial. People are looking for authentic, real conversation. Ooh, say that again. No, say that again. <laughs> They're People looking, for, are looking for authentic, real yeah. conversation. A real conversation, none of this yeah. bullshit. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the it's reasons not. why I think I think my staff like me because I never I never did any of that stuff. I never uh, sugarcoated the stuff. I was like always real, uh, always being like, "Hey guys, this is what we're at." You're like, "What do you think, Chris?" I'm like, "We could all potentially lose our jobs, so let's all we have to let's raise the flag. Let's do it. Let's make it happen." All right, let's go. Let's do it. You know, everybody else is like, "Oh, we're a little behind in budget." I'm like fucking bleeding we gotta hurry let's go do it all right guys let's go um uh there's a couple of things i want to i want to get to before we run out of time uh but you had said something that was very okay well i'm just gonna skip that for right now so i it's obviously you're a female congratulations yes. um <laughs> talk, to, talk to us about that right? 
<laughs> I, I grew up, I grew up with a mom who was a single mom. I never knew my dad. My mom was allegedly, she told me this many, many times. She was the first female in Southern California to sue, sue a major manufacturing corporation for not allowing her to wear pants on the manufacturing floor or something like that. So I've grown up with massively strong women in my life who have you know been in the corporate space and have owned it, you know, worn the, worn the suits. What what is your take on where we are at now, especially going back to that council culture? What advice would you have for women, strong women in the in the workplace today? Do you think that that equality and that equanimity is is improving, you know, here in 2021? Or do we still have like a, a large gap that we need to jump to to make it a lot better for women in the workplace? Well, you know, I'm I'm a uh, I think it's the year of the woman. The next couple of years, I think that there's a lot of hyper focus right now on on women. And I think it's in many cases, it's about time. But I'm also not an advocate for making exceptions. I think let the best candidate win. And um, I don't I want to know. I mean, this is me. So my if I'm if I'm vying for something or or going after would be it a proposal or a position, I want to go toe to toe. I don't care if it's a man. I don't care if it's a female. I don't care who it is. I just want to know that I that on my own accord that I've earned the opportunity, be it my background, my experience, um, you know, how I showed up in the interview, you know, what I was willing, you know, to put on the line in order to earn the opportunity for the position. And then in the position, I should get fair pay and fair benefits. And so I want consideration and an opportunity to, for an at bat. And I shouldn't be, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't like, we're going to, like, I look at it, I was talking to someone yesterday who's looking at a couple, several different companies right now that they're trying to recruit her. And I um, pulled up their, their team and I go, okay, so we have, you know, um, on their executive team, they had 17 leaders, um, one woman. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're a woman, you're going to 17 leaders, one woman. Just look at that. And then you have all these other ones where it's pretty well balanced. And I said, you know, now women are looking at that. And we're going, okay, you know, are they, they're saying one thing, but are they really showing up that way? So I think it's a critical time for us. Yes, I want you to be um, unfiltered, raw and unscripted. I want you to be the, you know, the real AF. I want you to be a badass leader and be authentic, but you also need to walk your talk and make sure that it's not, you know, you pull people off on a two day offsite and you put together this, you know, badass mission statement, but then you don't, it's lip service, right? right? Your executive teams don't practice what they preach. And it's, you know, it's just window dressing. So I think it's really important because in today's society, I mean, particularly the younger generation, they're going to call you on the carpet and hold you accountable. You better do what you say you're going to do or keep your mouth shut. So I think it's really important that we align in our behaviors to what our, to what we're telling people that we're going to do. We better walk the talk. Mm, mm, mm. Walk the talk. I love it. I love it. I love it. Congruency, congruency, congruency. Yes. Yeah. Good, good, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Ooh, ooh. Well, I can tell so many stories. I can tell so many stories. I just, uh, no, no, Chris, bad Chris, bad Chris. Look at me. See, I told you, I told you 46 minutes. It's going to go poof like that. Uh, Angel says, yeah, equal pay would be nice. We got to keep fighting for it, guys. You know, that's right. We got to keep standing up. We got to have our voices be heard. Just want to make sure. Um, uh, yeah, that's not, that's so Robert says, I'm attracted to boss ladies. You're just <laughs> the dominant women, Robert, go, 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 go get you some, go get you some. You'll be, you'll be, <laughs> you'll feel better. You'll feel better. Um, yes, yes. As I just going back to see if we had any questions. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna read that one though. But um, <laughs> so so you have a microphone to the world. It's 2021. We're coming out of COVID and not speaking corporately this time, but speaking to the leader within each of us. What would you tell people to take responsibility for their own happiness, their own self-love and their own self-care to go out and be the best leader they could possibly be within themselves and within their family? That stop, drop, take a selfie. Yeah, I think it's critically important that you take a selfie, not only in your professional life, but in your personal life, you know, in your relationships with your family, with your children, with your friends, how you're engaged or not engaged with your community. Um, and then how aligned are you to uh, your, you know, what's your end game look like? And are you on the right track? You know, I will uh, share a brief story of uh, lesson 12, excuse me, in the book is um, love somebody like you. And that was really born out of, you know, my own battle that I have, like it's lesson 12 for a reason. I had to be authentic and honest that I don't prioritize myself. I prioritize work and family. And then I come in last. Right? So it's in my stack of lessons, lesson 12 is last for me, but I am working on moving it up in the ranks. And I invite people to prioritize that first, because imagine the multiplier when we do. And the story behind lesson 12 really is about losing my, um, former husband to cancer. He was a Chicago police officer, um, 20 year veteran. We'd been divorced for 11 years and I was contacted by the family that on his, um, his dying wish was to reconnect with me and really apologize. We had a really um, heartbreaking um, divorce. And so at, at the end of the, the, the fast forward um, point to the story is he had accumulated great wealth um, in his life from, uh, you know, multimillion dollar apartment buildings to a garage full with 17 custom vehicles and Harley Davidson's and everything imaginable. And he, and he bought property that he planned to build on in one of the Carolinas and just had this huge dream of how he was going to all do all of this when he retired from the force. Well, he died in December, December 12th and, um, of 2012. And he uh, was awarded his 20 years on, I think it was in November of 2012. And so the, the, the message and the gift that he left for me, and, and I really appreciate the family allowing me to even share his story, um, and because he would want me to share his story, is that he said that he'd give it all away, every last penny, just to have health so that he could have more time with those he loved. And so my invitation, more importantly, to the listeners is like how to live a badass or a kick-ass life really comes down to, you know, what's your, what's your journey? What do you want it to be? And then are you living a life that you're going to look back on with regret and say you'd give all this away in order to have quality time with those that you love and that you wish you would have taken care of yourself differently? And so my invitation is prioritize you. Love somebody like you. Stop, drop, take a selfie do an assessment and see how you're doing relative to your end game and then set the course correction that's going to put you on that path to get you where the quality of life that you that we all deserve right and aspire to so i'll leave you with that Ooh. you're speaking my language woman you're speaking my language yes yes thank you for sharing that truly thank you and then thank his family for sharing that as well because somebody needed to hear that tonight um, so thank you for sharing that. Tracy's in the house. She says, hi, Christopher Roush. What's up, Tracy? Good to see you. Thank you for being here. Uh, no, to your, to your point, I talk about that all the time, Michelle. 
I talk about that all the time. It's uh, it's crazy. So yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts stirring in my mind about that. But your brilliance here tonight has been just magnificent. Uh, I think that people can get a hold of you here at www.badassleader.com. Is that correct? You betcha. Any social media you want to plug uh, where you're at? Instagram? Yeah, Badass Leader 12 on Instagram. Badass Leader 12 because of 12 Leadership Lessons on Facebook. And then if they add a little after that, uh, badassleader.com forward slash podcast hyphen gift, I've got some free downloads on my page, you know, some really um, badass screensavers for their computer and and uh, and one chapter of the book, the first chapter of the book, if they want to test drive it and, uh, and see how she rides, uh, go for it. I'd love to have them uh, visit us. Awesome. Awesome. Say that link again, badassleader.com badassleader.com forward slash podcast hyphen gift podcast hyphen gift. I just want to put this up here for my challenge people. Did I get that right? Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Take advantage of this. Ladies and gentlemen, connect with Michelle, connect with her ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is obviously just a jumping off point for us to have future conversations with Michelle. I can't thank you enough for coming on here. It's been a while since I've talked about leadership. It was actually quite fun to dust off that, that thought. And I haven't asked questions really necessarily about leadership in quite some time. So it's all divine, uh, divinely happening for us. Uh, so I look forward to having more conversations with you here on the Ron Unscripted show. And then also my other show, the unfiltered experience. Um, so I'm going to put you in the back in the green room, have some M&Ms and I'm going to close out the show. Thanks, and then we'll talk Thanks again. everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Later you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Rains and uh, Ray is sitting here saying he goes great show as always. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. I'm saying thank you, Ray, right here. Thank you, Ray. Um, Angel says right here, she says, have a great evening, everybody. Christopher Roush, your guest tonight is amazing. Love the show. I love you. Thank you, Angel. Have a blessed night. Get great sleep. Go out there and knock it out tomorrow. Um, I thank each and every one of you, uh, Robert, thank you so much. I'm going to go back as always and read your comments. Uh, appreciate you being here, brother and sharing and sharing and sharing. He says, uh, Robert says, thank you, Christopher and Michelle. So, um, there we go. McGowan, uh, talking about leadership, talking about really mindset and cultivating our own inner warrior really is what we've been talking about tonight. And that last part that Michelle just is shared, um, about, you know, having so much material wealth and wanting to give it all away. You know, when I think about all the different famous people who have died and how much money they have had, you know, again, to that point, um, you can't buy it back. You can't buy back the moments. I asked somebody the other day, they said, I don't have enough time. And I said, if, if 24 hours was actually $24,000 and you spent every minute of it, every dollar of it wisely, and you got to keep it, would you spend your $24 or $24,000 wisely? And everybody's like, yeah. Okay, so you have 24 hours in a day. Are you spending them wisely? Are you taking responsibility for your actions? Are you focusing on the wrong shit in life? You know, The Five Regrets of the Dying, when I read that book, you know, it was amazing. Again, in that book, how many people the hospice nurse sat with who had millions and millions of dollars, who had all the cars, who had all the everything, and here they were spending their final moments with a stranger. Spending your final moments with a stranger. You're in a massive house. You have Lamborghinis and all this. You have islands. And you're like, it's just you and me, kid. You know, when I'm when I'm speaking on stage, I love doing this for people. I'm like, hey, does anybody here have financial issues? And of course, everybody raises their hand. Oh yeah. I'm like, who here would love a million dollars cash? Million dollars cash, no IRS, no nothing. I'm gonna give it to you cash. However, there is a caveat. Everybody's like, what? What caveat? Who wants it? Uh, this guy's rich. He's gonna give us a million dollars. It's like Oprah. Come on. Am I gonna? People are looking under their seat. I might say, I'll give you a million dollars cash. 
You give me your eyesight. I look around, 600,000 people at least. Hmm, hands went whoop. Okay, really? Um, so no, I thought you guys all just said that you could, you know, a million dollars and people said they would buy their houses and buy their mama houses and all this other good stuff. Okay, really? Wow. All right, I'm going to give you a half a million dollars. Who could use a half a million dollars? People are raising their hands, they're playing along. They're wondering what I'm going to say. And I'm like, half a million dollars, you give me your legs. You're paralyzed from the waist down. You can still go drive. You can still play tennis. You can still get around. You have half a million dollars to go pay your bills and to go buy neat shit. Do you do it? No, nobody does it. Every once in a while, I get a smart ass. And I'm like, tell him to go, I tell him to go play on the freeway and come back and talk to me if he survived. And then they go play on the freeway and then they come, come back. Um, no, but seriously, when you wake up, ladies and gentlemen, I really want you to hear this because I think about this myself. When you wake up in the morning and your eyes open and your feet hit the floor, you're a million five ahead of the game. Gratitude. The secret to success is gratitude, being grateful for all the moments, being grateful for all the learning opportunities that are presented in your life. Don't run away from the things that challenge you. Run toward them because they will make you a smarter person. They'll make you a more resilient person. They'll make you a more congruent person and they'll make you a much happier person because at the end of the day, you're not going to be judged by how much money you had in your account, how much shit you had on the walls, how much stuff was in the garage or how much money you made or how many titles you had. You're going to be judged by the impact that you made in the world and the, and the life that you lived or the life you existed in. So that is your choice, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we bring to you here on the Ron Unscripted Show. We bring you some raw truth because we all need to hear it. I need to hear it as well. If this was my last day, would I be spending it doing these things or would I actually be living life and taking risks and taking chances? You guys got to ask that for yourself. As always, if you guys are interested, we have our group coaching pro program starting on Monday, June 7th. I probably should have mentioned it before I was doing my wrap up. But anyways, for those of you guys watching on the replay, our group coaching program, you guys know it, Raise Your Vibration. It's been successful. We're on our fourth iteration. Starts on Monday, June 7th. So reach out to me if you would like to be a part of that. We're only taking 12 people because we don't want to mess with anybody else. It's God's honest truth. <laughs> like, let's do 18. Let's do 20. I'm like, I like doing 12 because that will just be more intimate and more fun. Anyways, guys, thank you for being here on uh, live or on the replay. I love you guys. Stay kick-ass, stay unstoppable, and we'll see you next Tuesday night here on the Raw and Scripted Show.